Welcome back to the Shot Side Podcast, guys. I am joined once again by Matt Rungi. Um, we're just going to go through um, the NBA last, you know, kind of week or so. Um, start off by talking about some of the most underwhelming teams to start off the year. Um, number one on the board for us right now is probably Golden State Warriors. Matt, uh, what's been kind of troubling with the Warriors this this year so far? Yeah, the the Warriors just haven't looked like their usual self lately. They've um, been trying to incorporate some of their young guys like Wiseman, Kaminga, Moody. Um, Poole's playing a little bit more like a bigger role this year than last year, considering some of the veterans they let go of. And really, so far, it's kind of just been like a mosh posh of lineups that haven't really been able to find a good connection with each other yet. Um, especially on the defensive end. They're currently one of the worst defensive teams in the league, letting up a league high 121 points per game, which is crazy considering last year they were only averaging 105 points per game against them. So a 16-point difference is uh, not a winning formula when you're looking at the grand scheme of things. Um, I think, you know, for me, like, I think that, they'll get it together eventually, but it is concerning just from a standpoint of like their best players are older a little bit. So they're going to have games where they're going to have to sit out. Like clay hasn't played back to backs yet. And like, um, Steph's sat out a game already last week. Um, so it's kind of just a little bit concerning to start three and seven when you have like older guys on your team too. Cause like, every win is now going to become more important because you started off the season at such a slow rate. But, you know, I think, I think Steve Kerr can get it together a little bit. Um, he said that they're going to start playing Kaminga more a little bit and try that out and see if that helps, especially like on the defense end. Kaminga has shown that he can be a pretty good defender um, last season and has given them good minutes at times. So, Hopefully he can give them a little bit of a boost, and um, I I'm pretty sure they got Divincenzo back too. I'm not positive, but I thought I saw that because I think he was out. So maybe he can give them a little boost too. Um, I don't know if you you saw anything about Divincenzo, but I'm pretty sure I saw he was healthy again. Yeah, no, I haven't really seen anything about um, any injury updates on Divincenzo. But if if they get him back, I mean that's that's a good sign for, for this team. But um, I think, you know, like you said, bringing in Kaminga, I think, you know, they could really use somebody like that just to get more energy on this team. Not that they need more energy with the team that they have, but um, you know, early on in the season dealing with minutes restrictions with Draymond green, um, clay Thompson, um, James Wiseman as well, who really hasn't looked that great, but uh, I think it's came come down to, you know, what they've done on the road, you know, they're Owen six on the road this year, three and three at home. So I, they got to fix. Um, I don't know if it's, it's the long travel that's, that's keeping them down or the long. you know, I know they had a long off season where, you know, winning the championship and, and dealing with all the things that comes with that. Um, but <laughs> this, this team needs to figure it out because, you know, Steph can't carry every single game. I think he's averaging close to, uh, 31 points a game, um, which is incredible for him, but, uh, he's got to get some other, other players involved, not by himself, but, um, 
players like Draymond who need to kind of pick it up a little bit. He's been down this year. Um, Clay's look good in spots, um, hopefully with a little bit more minutes added to his game. You know, maybe he can pour in some more points for um, that team. Um, but it's going to come down to the defense. I think defensively, they're one of the worst defensive teams in the NBA right, right now. So um, interior defense has been an issue. Uh, that needs to get fixed. I don't know if it's, you know, Kayvon Looney not playing that great or, you know, like we talked about with Draymond, him not playing that great. Um, and then Andrew Wiggins, you know, Wiggins hasn't really played, you know, cause we thought it was a turning point, you know, in the finals when he was guarding Jason Tatum and, um, Jimmy Butler and all these great players and playing really good in the playoffs last year. I'm trying to wait and see what, you know, what we can see out of that from him this year. Um, Matt, what do you think about Wiggins? You know, you think he's going to turn around or. Uh, is he going back to what he was with the Timberwolves? Yeah, I mean, I think I think Wiggins can turn it around. I think it, you know, defense is one of those things where like you can be a really good defender, but at the same time, um, the team's defense has to also be elite in order for everybody to play at their highest level. So I think that's that's part of the issue is that like, I mean, last year guys like um, like Gary Payton the second and. Um, even even Otto Porter at times like not not like the best defender, but he was a good rebounder, which like can help guys like Wiggins and um, uh, Draymond and stuff like defend shots with with knowing that there's another rebounder on the court that can grab a loose ball. Um, and I think really just like getting time together with these guys. Like um, I know like. Kaminga played a decent amount last year, but Wiseman didn't play at all. Moody didn't play much. Um, he played sparingly. So, like, incorporating those guys and then DiVincenzo, um, Jermichael Green. I, Jermichael Green's, like, okay so far, but um, he wasn't on the team last year. So, just even incorporating these guys and knowing, like, where they're supposed to be defensively is going to be key to this Warriors team getting back to that championship level. Um, which I I think they they can do, but they you know part of it starts too with like playing the games too. Like on Friday they had Andrew Wiggins, Steph, Draymond, and Clay all out of the game against the Pelicans. So of course they're gonna right. of course they're gonna lose that game when they got Zion Ingram, CJ McCollum all healthy and playing. So I mean they that, kept it close for a little bit there. Yeah, they they did, but that I mean that was an atrocious lineup to see out there when you got guys that you don't even know out there with uh, Anthony Lamb. I've never even heard of him, but you know, and it's especially like in a game like that when uh, all those guys are out and Wiseman plays sixteen minutes and only has five points and two turnovers. That's also pretty disappointing to see. So, I mean, he hasn't played in a long time. So we can keep using that excuse for a little bit while more. So hopefully like as he shakes the rust off, he gets a little bit better, but um, there'll definitely be some concerns if uh, the play continues like further into the season. Right. I mean, to be honest, I'm not really that worried right now. We're still only 10 games into a long 82 game season. So um, it's, nothing to be seriously concerned about, but uh, we are a little bit, you know, underwhelmed with the performance they've put on so far. 
Um, another team that's been a little underwhelming, I would say, is the Philadelphia 76ers. Four and six this year. Um, they've dealt with some injuries with James Harden, and who who's going to be out for a month. And then uh, Embiid's also missed some time, too. I think he's missed uh, three games, I want to say. Um, but uh, they, they've also had some players kind of step into the role and pick up the slack. Uh, Melton's been playing good. Uh, Maxi, I think, had a game where he uh, started the first two, the first half, going ten of ten, seven of seven from deep. Um, they've had some good contributors. Um, it just hasn't contributed to winning. So, um, my question to you is, you know, how does this team get back on track to not only winning but uh, doing it at a consistent rate? Yeah, that that Maxi game was crazy. Um, just to start off with, because uh, I I watched that game. He was literally on fire. He was torching it. Um, and I think he's one of like the keys that like can contribute to them winning. I think he's one of the players that I expected to have like a real breakout season this year. Um, going into his third year, I think that that's when you can see some guys really take that next step. And he's one of those guys that I think can do that. So. A little more consistency out of Maxi would be nice, um, and I think that can happen too, especially with this time with Harden out. Like this is like the perfect opportunity for him to take control of like and show that like you know Harden's good, but like I should be getting my shots like every game because I'm <laughs> I'm next pretty much. I'm him, and Maxi's gonna be saying. Yeah. But um, I think I think that they will come together. I think having him beat out definitely like hurts to a certain extent um i don't know if like part of what what their problem has been especially like in like their first game against the celtics like um like there was times throughout the game where harden was doing his iso stuff and that like Embiid was just like just the body language is just disappointing to see like he he just kind of like taking himself out of the play like not even being ready because Harden was isoing it which you know like Harden's he's an iso player like I think like you have to know what you're getting when you're the um Sixers so I, I think you get kind of got to be fine with him isoing sometimes but then also like pushing the ball up I, I know like they're one of the slowest paced teams right now too so when you play against teams like the Celtics or other teams that can push the pace like you know, like you can get run out of the game real quick if you have like three bad possessions and then they turn those all into fast break points. So I think, um, you know, just getting maybe like pushing the ball a little bit more could help them um, getting other guys involved, doing some ISO, but knowing when to do it. Like there's certain times when you should do it versus like, you know, like even if you're cooking, so to speak, like, you know, like I, I don't think you should be doing that. Like, like too much throughout the quarter like maybe like towards like the last two minutes of a quarter maybe or something but I don't know I think I think they'll get it together though I I really liked like going into the season like the additions of like PJ Tucker and Melton I thought like adding two guys that can play good defense and can also shoot and like score a little bit on like Matisse Thiabal was really nice for them um it's actually kind of been funny too like Thibel really, like, he might have been playing more now, but, like, the first, like, five to six games, he hadn't played, like, at all. 
Um, I'm not sure if zero minutes basically. Yeah. I'm not sure if he's playing more now or not um, due to the injuries, but he was basically a non-factor when everybody's healthy. So that's, that was definitely interesting to see. Yeah. Um, There were reports too, that Embiid came into camp a little bit, you know, not as in shape as he usually is. So maybe that's contributed to, you know, seeing him with his hands on his knees, you know, being tired after, you know, a couple runs down the floor um, and maybe contributed to this slow start. But, you know, it's just been bad. You know, they have a great team. Like you said, you don't bring in those pieces like PJ Tucker and, and DeAnthony Melton are huge pieces to add to an already great team. But um, I think the bad news just keeps coming for Philly, you know, losing James Harden, you know, the Phillies just lost in the uh, World Series to the Astros. Uh, it just seems like seems like they're dealing with a lot of a lot of stuff right now in Philly. And uh, uh, it's going to take a, a combined effort in Philly for them to be able to, you know, right the ship or, you know, just keep it around 500. Because uh, I don't know if Embiid can do it all by himself. He's going to need players like Maxi to, you know, put up close to, you know, 25 to 30 points per game just to give Embiid that kind of little breather. Uh, and then players, you know, like DeAnthony Melton, uh, players like Tobias Harris are going to have to step up in the scoring production. Uh, and then they're going to have to play really good defense. I think defense is what's going to make them uh, win games here without James Harden. Um, and I, th- I think that's going to be uh, a major key in uh, going forward, especially in a tough Eastern Conference where, um, there's other Eastern conference get play or teams that aren't doing as well either. Like Brooklyn, uh, Miami's not doing as well. New York's not doing as well. Um, so they got to capitalize now, um, and, and wait until, uh, hopefully they get, you know, James Harden back. Yeah, I agree. And you know what, one of the reasons too, that I even like put them in like the underperforming category is cause versus like other teams that like you could say like well they're underperforming like like it's a good thing that they're in this category because like the expectations were so high for this team like this is a really good team um and i think they will get it together it's just a little bit disappointing at the start here for them like it's the same with the Warriors. it's not like they're not a good team it's just like they got off to a slow start and like you'd like to see them come together a little bit more so um i think part of the like both their problems too is like just like defense can turn to offense. So if you get one end going, it can help on the other end. So I think, and then just like chemistry too, like some of these teams that added different pieces throughout the off season, we can see them struggle right away to start the season. Um, and I think that'll change as the season goes on. Um, which brings us to our third team. Did you have anything else to say about the, no, I was, I was just going to say like all of these underwhelming teams, like it's, they're all great teams. That's why they're in this, this category that we're putting them at. Um, that, that's all I want to say, but uh, yeah, go on with the, uh, the next, the third one. Yeah. I was just going to say like it, in that same, uh, you know, like theme of like integrating guys, like the third team we have is the Minnesota Timberwolves who made possibly one of the biggest splashes of the off season. Um, and bringing in big man Rudy Gobert, um, getting rid of three role players, uh, four role players, actually, I think. Um, and then 
pretty much depleting their bench um, at, from last year. And then they brought in guys uh, like Kyle Anderson and McDaniels is playing a bigger role this year. Uh, McLaughlin's playing a bigger role this year. Noel is. So, you know, kind of just like along the same lines, like that's part of why like a team like the T-Wolves have been, has been disappointing is that like they just haven't really looked in sync yet. And for the T-Wolves especially, like they're only, they're five and five. So like that's not like terrible. But when you consider three of those losses are to the Jazz, who you just mortgaged your future to, and two to the Spurs, who are for sure tanking. Um, that it's pretty disappointing to see, but I mean, you can just see it like throughout games. Like there's times where like they throw lobs up and nobody's even there because like you can't and <laughs> you can't or they throw a lob that's ten feet in the air. Like Gobert's tall, but he's not a skyscraper. Like you can't just, just throw it up there and yeah. expect that he's gonna come down with it. Um, but I think the Wolves can get it together too. It's more just like kind of adjusting. Like anytime you add somebody like the size of Gobert, like there's going to be an adjustment. You got to know that like the floor has to be spaced at all times. Otherwise it's going to be congested. And I don't think they fully understand that yet. Like, especially at, like there's times where it gets way too congested there. And I mean, that's part of why like Anthony Edwards, like, hasn't dunked that much this year. Like not that dunking is like vital to winning or anything like that, but like dunking. I hate that stat. I absolutely hate that. Like the fact that they have to bring that up, like who cares if he's dunking or not? Like it's more about the play that's on the floor. Like I don't care if he has a thousand dunks in a, well, I mean, maybe I would care, but um, it's not that big of a story. I think they're just blown out of proportion. No, yeah, I, I agree that the, the, the dunking is not that big of a deal, but like, it's more just like a momentum thing. Like, if you throw down a, a slam, like it's gonna give your team momentum. Like, when when the Wolves are playing uh, the Lakers the other day and Cat got dunked on by LeBron, like that gives them momentum. That's when they started getting back into the game. Um, so just like it'd be nice to see like the lanes like open up and it's not even just like when Gobert's out there. It's like just in general too. Like, cause obviously like ants played minutes when Gobert's not out there too. So um, it's more just like finding like that cohesiveness with all the new pieces and knowing like where people like to get the ball and stuff like that. Um, and I think that that'll come like, especially like the defensive movement. Like that's, that's been one of the biggest problems too, is that like, they expect another person to be in a certain spot and they aren't. And then it gives up a wide open three or an easy bucket. And those can kill you in close games, Um, especially against a good team, like the Bucs or the Suns. The the Suns were, oh man, they were just, they were pretty like uh, lethal in like the mid range and stuff like that. Like they're killing us like off those, uh, off uh, the screens that they go around the screen um, and then Chris Paul would get to his spots. Booker would get to his spots. Even Cam Johnson was killing us in the mid range on yeah, in that Suns Just the game. high pick and rolls too. Yeah. Like they'd just bring Aiden up and then set a screen on Chris Paul or Devin Booker and they just weave into the paint or the elbow area just for a mid range jumper. And then if somebody would come, they'd kick it to the corner for a wide open three. Yeah. And that that's, that'll come with like playing with each other more is like getting a better sense of like timing with those so that you're able to get out there for the the threes and step up. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, they have shown some promising things though too. Like, I mean, just just even in like the Lakers game and then the Jazz game, they lost. But um, there's times where like they looked really good in that that game. Um, you know, it's just it all it all come together eventually. I think like the biggest thing for me, and I I don't know what you think the biggest problem is right now, but I think for the Wolves, like they have to start shooting better from three, otherwise. You know, things could get rough because, like, their best um, three-point shooter right now has been Torian Prince, who he's he's on fire from three. Um, yeah. But he's also not playing, like, huge minutes. And, like, Cat's shooting, like, 38%. And um, it just needs to be better than that, like, overall. Because, like, when Gobert was on, on uh, the Jazz, like, they had snipers all over the place that they had – five or six guys shooting over 38% from three, which is pretty insane when you think about it. Um, so that's kind of like, that's how you can optimize Gobert's by shooting the three. Well, what are your thoughts? Yeah. I mean, I think the three point shooting will come, come and go. Um, just going off of your dunking point again. Um, I, I'm not, I'm not sure I really agree with it that much just cause you know, you look at another team that's been a little underwhelming in the Los Angeles Lakers, and um, they've had some impressive dunks too with, you know, LeBron and, and AD, but uh, it seems like for them, like, it doesn't really last that much when it comes to momentum. So uh, I can see how it does give you a little bit of a little bit of an edge, you know, going, you know, for the next couple minutes, but uh teams are pretty good at just being able to call timeouts and kind of regroup and kind of calm down the, the crowd and, and, you know, get it back to neutral. Um, but I think the main thing that I just want to talk about with the Timberwolves was when you have a seven game, I, I know bringing in Rudy Gobert and we've, we kind of guessed that it would start out a little bit slower than usual, just because you're bringing in a big, you know, piece all-star player where you got to try to, integrate him into the offense you already have which you know a lot of people would say it's that's super easy you just bring in a a guy like Rudy Gobert or bring him in to block shots and and rebound the ball well it's it's not that easy and I think uh, a lot of fans and Timberwolves fans and um, the Timberwolves in general are figuring that out really early but um, when you do have a seven game start where you're playing uh, I'll just list it off right now, but when you're playing the Thunder, Jazz, Thunder, Spurs twice, Lakers, and then Spurs again, I mean you gotta <laughs> you gotta be at least six and one coming out of that seven game series, and uh, I think they were what were they four and three coming out of that. So, um, you know it's it's gonna get tougher. You know, playing the Suns and Bucks after that, we got a nice, easy win against the Rockets, which, um, you know, defensive end, we didn't really play that well. Um, and, and you know, just looking at the schedule coming up, you know, you got the Suns again, you got the Grizzlies, who they lost in the playoffs, you got the Cavs, 76ers, Heat. Uh, so you got some tough matchups coming up. Um, so hopefully... Um, you know, just integrating Rudy Gobert and then figuring out this defense and how they want to play it. And then also, um, you know, getting this offense going because, you know, they're, I think they're bottom 10 in offense right now in points per game. Uh, that might've changed after the Houston Rockets game where they put up 129 points, but 
trying to get D'Lo kind of, you know, comfortable in this new point guard role where he doesn't have another point guard beside him with, you know, last year, Pat Bev. Um, so, you know, getting him in some pick and rolls where he can kind of get free. Um, his shot will come and go. He's been shooting at a career low, I think, this year from three and from two. So I think it'll get back to, you know, the medium of what it is. Um, but uh, we just got to get D'Lo going. And once D'Lo can go in um, and he feels more comfortable, he's going to start getting other players to run at him, which will open up uh, wide open threes for Jane McDaniels and Cat, who, you know, really hasn't gotten a lot of wide open looks from deep. Um, and I think it's going to help the offense a lot more. And then um, when that works out, then I think it's going to um, potentially make, you know, those players that aren't as good on the defensive end, like Cat and D'Lo, play a little bit harder on that end. Yeah, definitely. I I would agree with most of that. Um, yeah, we, we're first in points per game last year, and right now we're 14th in points per game. So, with you know, it's definitely kind of surprising a little bit that we're not doing that well in offense, considering how high powered our offense was last year. Um, yeah, I, I think it will come, but um, we ha- we have to do a better job of using Gobert screens too. Um, right now, we just like I don't even know like if they're surprised like that, <laughs> like uh, how the screen game works or what, because like. Part of part of like the biggest thing that like helped the Jazz when they had Gobert was that as soon as they screen, you come off it and pop threes. Like you, that you can't right. just you can't just come off it and just like dribble the ball more. Um, and that's kind of like what Finch has said about games too is like the ball is getting sticky. Um, we're like, what is the point of having a screen if you're not going to do something with it? Like if the big man on the other team doesn't step up, then you just do what, exactly what they're doing to us and you knock down shots like and then if they step up then you throw a lob to go bear like it's and i know it's not like that simple but like to a certain extent it is that simple like you kind of just have to make quick decisions and like it, it's okay if you miss like shots like it would be nice to see them shoot like a bunch of pull-up threes off those screens um, and eventually like they'll get better and better at it too. Like as they, cause they're not used to that obviously. Cause like Towns does not set the same type of screens that, um, Gobert does. So obviously they're not quite used to it. Um, also one thing about Towns, Towns has to quit kicking out his leg and acting like he didn't kick out his leg. <laughs> it's really, he knows he's kicking he does out. That all the time. Yeah. He knows he's kicking out his leg and then he cries about it. Like I know he knows. But but it's not even that though. Like it's every single call though, like that goes his way or doesn't go his way. He always has to throw a fit about it. Like you can hear like I I've watched like three games where you could hear him on the broadcast like yelling something out. <laughs> it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, it really that's kind of like too like you we just have to get back on defense. Like they're not gonna be like, All right, let's change the call. Cat complained about it. Like just get back on defense and like make a good play. But you know, I I have like what I've seen out of Gobert so far this year. Um, he's had some monster games here and there. Like, sure, he's had some quiet games too. But I think I think we're gonna see like 
where he's really going to make a difference this coming week when we play the Grizzlies. And little John Morant comes down the lane and he finds Gobert's big ass down there instead of Nas (laughs) Reed or Cat. I think think he's going to be in for a little less and I'm hoping at least. Yeah, last... Last point that I just wanted to say was um, turnovers for the Timberwolves have been up, you know, quite a bit from last year as well. I don't know what the numbers are, but uh, just from the games I've watched, like that's what's kind of killed them too is um, when they turn the ball over. I mean, when you got two seven footers trying to get back after a turnover too, that's you're already starting off five and three or on a five on five on three. So uh, that's what's killing the defense too, a little bit too, but. Um, they got a lot of things they can work out and fix um, and, and hopefully be ready uh, by all-star break and then, you know, hopefully make it a good playoff push. But uh, definitely going to have to look forward to uh, these next, uh, I'd say, 10 games where they're going to have, you know, some tough tests to kind of uh, prove themselves as well. But um, let's get into some of the overperforming teams um, so far in the NBA. Uh, first up, Utah Jazz. Matt, seven and three. Utah Jazz. Did you expect that? Uh, no, definitely did not expect it at all. I thought they were definitely the number one front runner for the Wembenyea sweepstakes. Um, especially after I saw him hit a one-legged three this weekend. Um, I think more teams will be starting to tank games after they saw that. I don't know if you saw that clip this weekend or not, yep. but yeah. <laughs> Um, oh, the, the Jazz have looked pretty good. Like, um, they're a gritty team. I think they're at the last time I checked, they're undefeated at home, so they obviously play really good at home. Um, they beat us in overtime. They, they have a lot of shooters on their team. Um, and Markinen has been playing unreal so far this season. Um, I mean, I was, I was pretty shocked when he dunked on Gobert. I didn't, I didn't know he had that juice in him. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know if they'll keep it up, but I, I think they're definitely putting on display some of their pieces so that like, if somebody wants to trade for them, like they've seen that they can play at a pretty high level. Um, obviously I don't think they'll trade anybody like marketing or like any of the young guys that they got, but Mike Conley, Sexton, probably not, probably not, but Clarkson's been playing great so far this year. Conley's been playing good. olenic has been playing pretty well at times. Um, and then that could all, those could all be pieces that maybe people would look at. Um, but yeah, they, they've played good so far. I mean, I don't think they've beat like two great of teams. I mean, they beat the, the Wolves and the Nuggets. Um, I guess they, they did beat the Pelicans too, I think. Um, so, I mean, they've had some good wins, but I just don't see them keeping it up long term. Like, team, this is the NBA. Like, any team can get hot in the NBA. Like, if you're, if you're shooting threes, like, you if you get hot, you're, you're probably going to win games. <laughs> like, um, but, yeah, do you see them keeping it up, or what, what are your thoughts on the Jazz so far? No, I mean, it, it'd be tough for them to keep it up this way, but if they did, I mean <laughs> – it would definitely be a major storyline in the NBA. I just think you really see this out of teams that um, when you make one big trade and you get these, when you get two, three, four players back in return that are good, solid NBA players, let alone when you give up two stars on your team to get 
I don't know how many players they got back, but I, I'm guessing it's around six to eight players they got back in return that are all solid players that have either started or played good minutes coming off the bench. So uh, you definitely see this in teams when they do get that load back to be able to start off the year with a good season. Cause having that, you know, the utility to have, you know, a 12, 13 man roster that you can play, you know, a number of guys on the court and see which ones are clicking and which ones aren't and leave them on the, on the court when they're playing well, uh, I think helps out early, especially when you're playing teams like, you know, the Timberwolves or other teams that brought in new pieces that it's going to take them a little while to kind of, you know, get the hang of things. So, um, I think it's really, it's really helped Utah, um, just having players like Markkinen who I, I didn't see this happening with Markkinen, you know, I thought he was a really good player. I didn't think he was a, you know, I'll post 23 points per game type of player. Uh, I definitely thought they'd start Clark's or, uh, excuse me, Colin Sexton, probably at the two with, um, uh, who's their point guard, uh, Mike Conley. But Yeah, that was kind uh, of the biggest surprise for me about their squad is that Sexton isn't right. a starter. Right. But, I mean, it's worked so far. I think he's still kind of coming back from injury, so uh, they're kind of playing it a little bit slower. But uh, yeah. Conley's played really good. Um, the rookie that – you know, Walker Kessler, who they got in the Timberwolves trade, he's been playing good in spare minutes off the bench. Kelly Olenek, uh, shooting great to start off as well. And then uh, kind of the biggest surprising thing for me is, you kind of mentioned him a little bit earlier, but uh, Jordan Clarkson. I mean, he's been playing, he's had his, you know, off games, but for the most part, he's been playing really well. Uh, His assist numbers are a career high. I think it's around it might be close to six assists per game coming from your shooting guard. I guess he's kind of playing point guard right now um, with Mike Conley. But um, yeah, I mean, I don't really see this going much better than it has already, but uh, definitely a great start though for Utah. Um, And if you're a Utah fan, you got to love what you see out of this team, just the energy they bring every single night. Yeah, I would just say probably the the most like important thing out of like this stretch, like whether they keep it up or not, like it's nice to know that Will Hardy is a solid coach for the future for them. I think he he's done a lot of good things to start the year, and it definitely looks like he's doing a good job of developing some of these young guys too. So that's great thing to see if you're a Utah Jazz fan. For sure, another overperforming team, uh, I guess. You know, they've been struggling a little bit lately. I think they've lost three games straight. But uh, San Antonio Spurs, 5-5 five and five record, um, been playing really well lately. Well, I guess not lately, but to start the season, they were playing well. Keldon Johnson uh, has been playing really great. Uh, I think he's averaging close to, you know, same thing with Laurie Market and close to 22, 23 points per game. Um, what are your thoughts just on the San Antonio Spurs? Are they kind of... Are they a hidden gem? Do you think uh, Pop was wrong by saying, you know, they have no chance of winning the the championship this year? Or um, what are are your thoughts on that? Um, You know, the Spurs, like, I don't think really they're, like, a good team necessarily. Um, They have a few good players. But I think more than anything, the Spurs are just, like, a feisty team. Like, they're just a team that they're going to go for loose balls. They're going to 
play hard defense and they're going to keep themselves in games at times just be just off things like that like when you make the little plays like you can keep yourself in games um i think i mean kelvin johnson is a fantastic player i've i've always liked kelvin, kelvin johnson i think he, he's a great two-way player and he's gotten better like every year in the league it seems like um so I think he's a nice like piece that they have going forward. And then, I mean, rookies are going to be up and down too. Like that, I've seen some good things out of all their rookies. Um, and then obviously, like they haven't played the best of times too. But um, I think going into the future, like they got some nice pieces to build around. I don't think it'll keep up this year. But um, also, just shout out Trey Jones because boy's been killing it. <laughs> yeah. But I don't know if we want to mention, too, just, like, um, that the Spurs released uh, Josh Primo. Um, if you guys haven't seen anything about that, it's just... Right. He was accused of, like, I don't know, like, showing himself to... Sexual assault, or, I yeah, believe. Yeah, like, sexual assault or, no, or something yeah. like that. Um, yeah, he was... Uh, but that's ongoing. It was so one like, of the... It was, like, they were it was one of the Spurs... Therapist. Yeah. So, um, yeah, hopefully he gets kind of the help he needs um, and takes this time off from the NBA to kind of figure out um, where to go forward with this. Uh, We don't really know exactly what the uh, circumstances with, um, you know, the court case or what's going on with that. But uh, when we do find that out, uh, we will let you guys know for sure. But, uh, yeah, kind of troubling to hear that from a young player like Josh Prima, who is only 19 years old and uh, 12th pick in the, was it last year's draft? Yeah, yep. That was, um, yeah. I think that's one of the the like fastest, uh, like top 12 pick has been released like within like the past like 10 years or something like that. It's pretty crazy. Right, and you had to have figured too that something had to have gone on for, because like he was actually playing pretty well uh, last year, oh, and even kind of in summer league. Too, yeah, so. I just remember too. Uh, that shout out Devin Bissell. He's been absolutely killing it for the Spurs and my fantasy team. Yeah. Dude, dude, just twenty one point three. Been a menace out there. Yeah, I I didn't even know they had two top or two twenty point scorers on their team and. Keldon Johnson at 23 and Vassell at 21 a game. It's pretty impressive. I don't know how long that'll last, but um, I think it'll last for Keldon Johnson. Vassell's definitely an up and comer. Uh, I like his, his length and, and versatility as a two way player. Uh, and then, you know, players like Podol who could be a trade target um, going forward. Um, I think that's what this team is kind of doing though. It's, they're they're playing well right now so that uh some of their players that are a little bit older like Podol and McDermott and Josh Richardson um kind of those players can kind of create a market for themselves so that not only the Spurs can get something back for them but also they can go to a a championship winning team that's going to contend this year yeah I agree I think um Pop's got something cooking I think yeah, for sure. So our third uh, overperforming team um, of the 2022-2023 season so far 
is the Indiana Pacers at four and five. We could have thrown OKC in here at a four and five too. Um, I just think, um, personally, in my opinion, I think Shea's a little bit better player right now than um, Halliburton is. But uh, I think Indiana's got a lot of good young talent. Um, still don't know what's going to happen with Buddy Heald and Miles Turner. They're probably in that Spurs situation where they're probably going to go on from those two as well in the future. But uh, Indiana's looked, you know, pretty competent as a team. I think um, they got good players in the backcourt um, with and front court as well. So, um, but it, it's going to come down to what Halliburton does and, and brings this team. Um, Matt, I kind of want to hear what your thoughts are on, on Halliburton and, and how good he's looked so far this season. Yeah, I think Halliburton's looked great this year. I mean, honestly, um, I still don't know why the Kings didn't keep him. Um, cause like, I mean, it's not like Sabonis isn't good, but, uh, Halliburton definitely looks like a stud out there. Um, he was a great piece for this Indiana team to get a young building block. Um, and I think, too, like, I mean, we have to start paying attention, too, to their, their rookie from this year, Benedict Mathrin, who is also putting up some great numbers for a rookie and, uh, quite honestly, could be first in the rookie of the year race between him and Paulo so far. Um, kind of take your pick there oh, so Paolo's, far. Paulo's definitely won. I, maybe. I mean, the the Pacers have a better record so far. I mean, it kind of depends. Like, I think it's one of those cases where, like, Lamelo and uh, Edwards, where like if one gets into the playoffs, like it's going to look better than the other one. Um, but it's a long season. But I was just more just mentioning that he's looked good this year. He's shooting forty two percent from three. Um, wow, they have. Actually, three people shooting over forty-two percent from three, uh, with Heald and Halberton. So that's pretty great to see. Um, especially when you consider the Wolves don't have anybody shooting over thirty-nine percent from three. So <laughs> not not to just gotta keep bringing up the Wolves. Huh? Yeah, not not to bash on them again, but <laughs> it's also nice that they're sh- all shooting over eighty-five percent from free throw too. That that pretty big time um which the Timberwolves are not as well (laughs) (laughs) but also I mean I think that you know it's kind of a a shame like it that they have to trade like I wouldn't mind if they even kept Miles Turner because when Miles Turner is healthy like I mean the dude's phenomenal sometimes like he has games where like he's just a game changer out there just because of the way he can block shots and then also like Shoot too. He's shooting thirty percent from three. Um, it's pretty good, decent for a big man at least. Um, averaging seven boards. Like, I mean, I think that they got a lot of nice pieces too. I, I'm a big fan of Jalen Smith too. I think he's a, a pretty nice young piece. Right. Um, kind of stole him away from the Suns. Honestly, I'm sure the Suns wish they had him still. But two two steals with Hal Burton and Smith. Yeah. So I mean, they've been doing a nice job. Like. Uh, you know, like collecting young guys for like pretty like reasonable deals. Um, I still don't understand the Duarte pick. I mean, he's 25 already and has not looked good at all, but um, I mean, you're going to miss some here and there. Um, 
but they definitely they have some pieces too like buddy's a guy i'd probably look to trade because he's 30 tj mcconnell i'd look to trade because he's 30 um i mean if you have to if miles turner's not going to sign back then yeah i would trade miles turner um but yeah i mean it looks like they have they have a nice guard combo they got um Jalen Smith, all all three of which could fit seamlessly alongside this French man I know. Um, pretty <laughs> pretty <Victor>. good all around. <laughs> but yeah, I mean it's been nice to see them do good so far. I think I think yeah. they'll maybe like regress a little bit just uh, in terms of not being like super deep. I don't think they're a very deep team. So like if they have anybody go down for a stretch, like that could really kill them. Um, but they've definitely looked great. Um, yeah. That's my thoughts so far about the Pacers, but uh, a lot to look forward to. Yeah. I mean, you touched on it a lot right there, but um, one thing I wanted to touch on is just, you mentioned the depth. I think it's easy to fix this depth on this team. I think if you trade Buddy Heald and, and, and Turner, and maybe you can get something back for McConnell as well. I think they have James Johnson as well, who could be a trade piece as well, but um, not even trading to the, them to the Lakers or anything because you you don't want to get Russell Westbrook and picks back. Maybe you do. But, yeah, just think they could um, get Austin Reeves, Matt Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, I'm just saying like if, if they trade those those pieces, I don't know how they feel about Isaiah Jackson. Um, he's looked pretty decent as a rebounder and finisher uh, inside the paint. Um, and Jalen Smith as well, you know, getting him more minutes, um, you know, just trading away miles Turner and butter healed. If you can get some young talent and young draft picks back to kind of sure up, uh, this, this team, um, for the future, I think, you know, why not do it? Cause you know, miles Turner already, you know, I don't know if you heard the, the Woj podcast, um, and, and the interview that Woj did with miles Turner, but it, I mean, it really sounds like he, uh, he would love to go to, you know, a, a contending team like, you know, the Lakers or, or whatnot. He kind of touched base on that a little bit in the Woj podcast. So if you haven't uh, listened to that yeah. podcast yet, make sure you listen to that. Cause it was a, a very interesting um, podcast to kind of listen to Miles Turner's thoughts on, on how it's been uh, with all the trade demands and, and, you know, we thought he was going to get traded last year and the year before that. And we think he's going to get traded this year. So, um, you know, I think this might be the year just cause it, you might as, you might as well trade him away if he's going to be a free agent, uh, this next, um, fall. So, um, you know, I, I think, I think it makes sense now to do it, um, before the trade deadline, uh, they still got time to kind of see what this team is. Maybe small percentage chance they become, you know, uh, a play in team or something like that, but. Um, I think they're they're in that San Antonio kind of mold where uh, it's just a it's a good start to the season, but um, I think it's going to kind of tailor off as we kind of get more into the heart of the season. But uh, that's going to conclude it for our underwhelming and overwhelming teams. Uh, we're going to take a short break. Uh, after the break, we're going to get into some storylines, and then we'll touch base on our power rankings we just did. All right, welcome back, guys. Um, 
we're going to go through our storylines um, in this past kind of week or so. Um, starting off with the whole Kyrie Irving debacle. Um, I'm just going to go through the timeline real quick of what Kyrie's been going through, you know, since he came into the league, Matt, real quick. Um, but, you know, starting in Cleveland, I mean, Kyrie asked for a trade after a feud with LeBron. I mean, we you saw the video of him laughing with with uh, Steph Curry about LeBron's workout video. Um, said he and uh, LeBron hadn't talked for a while. And then after that, he got traded to Boston. Talks about the flat earth theory, which uh, was, was quite interesting to hear about. Um, tells Boston's fa- Boston fans that he plans on re-signing at the end of the season. Ends up changing his mind. Um, gets traded to, uh, or actually signs with um, New Jersey with Kevin Durant. Uh, first came back uh, at the um, in Boston. Stomps on the Celtics logo. After that game, gets a water bottle thrown at him. Um, played the Celtics. Uh, Celtics and TD 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 Garden um, in the playoffs where they ended up losing. Um, TD Garden, TD Garden yeah. <laughs> uh, had fans chanting "fuck you, Kyrie" at him, uh, and then you had, of course, the whole uh, COVID controversy where he missed a bunch of games, bunch of home games, because uh, Brooklyn had that mandate where you had to have the. Um, vaccine to be able to play uh, or to actually enter uh, the building. Um, so he missed a bunch of games there. Um, and now he just posted a video dealing with what seems like, or what is anti-Semitism, which has now led to a five game suspension. Um, he did also, I think he was trying to donate some money to this uh, charity, which this charity suspended him from, being able to um, give money to it. So um, I, I haven't heard an apology from Kyrie yet. Um, it, it definitely looks like he's trying to like take it back without saying the actual words that I am sorry for having post that. <laughs> uh, it was really funny, though, to kind of watch the uh, interview. Uh, I forgot the reporter that asked him. Um, but uh, basically, uh, Kyrie was getting all you know, heard about the word promotion, which um, if you're posting anything as an athlete on your social media pages, it's either for promotion or it's something you like. So I don't, I don't understand why Kyrie is getting so defensive over that word. Cause um, I mean, if it's not a promotion, why are you posting on your page? I don't understand that. Uh, What are your thoughts, Matt, of just the whole Kyrie situation? Yeah, I mean, and even if it, it's not like a promotion, like if if you have millions of followers and you post something on your page, it's, I mean, it's basically just like, spot, like putting a spotlight on it. Like right. if you were to post this podcast, like the podcast would get tons of spotlight. Like that's just how it works when you're a famous like celebrity. Like, so you have to realize that some stuff like, you know, it, need it it's like kind of like the anthony edwards thing like this summer when he said like that like gay slur like anytime you post anything like it it's going to be like scrutinized so um but the difference was is ant apologized apologized from it and you know 
Oh no, yeah, Harry I'm not. Hasn't. I'm not say, like saying that the same exact thing. Like and how they handled it. I'm just saying like when you post something, like you can't just. Yeah. It's not just between you and your friends or you and your close like people that you know. Like it's between everybody that follows you. Yeah, I get it. You um, mean the, you mean the situation as what it. Yeah, what it I'm just saying like if you put something out there, like you're going to be connected with it. If you're putting it on your page. Um, just the, I mean, the whole Kyrie thing is just insane. Like, uh, I understand like questioning certain things within society and like, you know, having an open mind, to how things may, may seem like how certain things may have happened throughout history that, um, maybe got covered up or whatever, like, but, um, yeah. you know, when you're posting something that's like anti-Semitic and it in within like the film, it's like a three hour film. Um, like it talks about like, like Holocaust denial too, which is like absolutely like bad shit insane. Right. That you could deny that. Um, but without even getting like too specific in it, I just think, you know, Kyrie, like it, it's more just that like he didn't apologize. Like it, and that he, like, didn't, like, I mean, they literally asked him, like, point blank, like, are you anti-Semitic? <laughs> and he, like, couldn't just say no. Like, it was not that hard. Like, uh, how could you just leave it up there? And, it, like, it, it makes you, like, feel like he actually is, like, when he can't just say no to it. Um, but, I don't know. It, it's definitely interesting. And it's also interesting to see, like, how the NBA re- reacts to him who's a superstar versus somebody like um uh what's this the one on the the heat that oh that, like, uh, slur, miles leonard um, yeah miles leonard who's never played in the nba since then like right it's interesting to see like how like you get more chances if you're a superstar too like because even like uh their um dm or owner i can't remember Cy, um he tried to give them as many chances as possible to like just apologize so that they can move forward. But of course he, he Kyrie smarter than everybody. He's got a third eye. So um, he didn't take that opportunity and now he's suspended and now he's got a six point checklist. He has to fulfill if he's going to return to the nets, which I don't think he will. Um, otherwise he would have just apologized to begin with. I think Kyrie's one of those people that, um, would rather lose millions of dollars than to be wrong or say he's wrong um, with certain things. So, yeah, I, th- I think this might be the end of Kyrie in Brooklyn and maybe even the NBA. Yeah, it's like it seems like he has like kind of like a narcissistic personality type where like he, everything he thinks is right no matter what. Um, but it, it's just a, it's a terrible look for the NBA and it's, it's tough to talk about. Cause like, I hate having to talk about stuff that isn't on the court. Like we, we do this podcast to talk about what we see on the court and give our two cents. And, um, I hate having to bring in something that doesn't have to deal with something on the court. Uh, of course, this is taking course off the court, but it has to do with, Kyrie not being able to play too. I mean, we'd like to pl- we'd like to see our superstars play. We'd like to see Kyrie Irving play, but when he does stuff like this, it makes it tough not only 
to have him out there on the court, but it also makes it tough for him for us fans to be able to, you know, want to cheer for him or, or root him on when, when he does stuff like this. So it, it's just all in all, it's not good for a franchise that's been just absolutely in ruins in the past couple of years in Brooklyn um, and maybe even longer, but uh, it's just a bad look for them. And also it's a bad look for the NBA and uh, it's, it's going to be uh, a tough, a tough time to try to get past this, but um we're, I mean, we're going to have to wait and see what, uh, what Kyrie has to say. And, and, you know, maybe hopefully, um, there is a resolution behind this in a positive manner. Uh, we just haven't really seen that out of Kyrie. Yeah. I mean, it'll to be determined, um, but I'm, I'm not expecting it to end well with, uh, especially with like the Brooklyn Nets and Kyrie. I think that, relationship is probably soured at this point um but i mean maybe he'll be able to turn it around and get with a different team next year or something like that um unless some for some reason he has some humility and um actually does what they say but i i highly doubt it honestly um i don't know i just Kyrie's just uh He's interesting. I mean, he's definitely he's definitely one of those guys that likes to go down the YouTube conspiracy rabbit hole. And I I, I understand him. I've gone down those rabbit holes too. They're we all have. Very interesting. Um, you can go on for days looking at those. It feels like. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, like you have to live in reality. Um, some things just like, you know, they could be there, but like. At the end of the, nobody's gonna know at the end of the day. Like, uh, like they're conspiracies for a reason. Like, um, and if somebody and if say say things like that, Kyrie did think were actually true. Like, nobody's gonna let it actually get found out. So like, yeah, I just feel like you know, he just has to move forward and just understand that like it's it's okay to believe certain things and like do things in your free time, but like just leave that at home while you go play basketball. Like, I don't think it has to be like, I'm not even saying like anything like LeBron, like how they told him, like shut up and play basketball. It's more just like certain things, just like keep out of it. Like you don't have to post everything. Like it's kind of like answering, like I'm just like going back to that where like, like don't, you don't have to post everything on your story. Like just, (laughs) you know, like, because everybody sees it, like I don't know, and, but it's like stuff it's like it's, that. it's not the same for like most normal people, or not normal people, but just most people in general. Like they don't have the same superstardom and following that mostly star athletes do. So like you have to, and Kyrie knows this too. Like he's aware. He's not. He's not dumb. He's he's a smart dude. He knows whatever he posts out there, a lot of people are gonna see see it. So like you have to be aware of what you post, no matter what. And I mean, it really just doesn't make any sense, but yeah. Um, and why do you think he's posting it to make people aware of it? <laughs> exactly. I know that's the tough part. Uh, hopefully this will be the last time that we talk about something like this or um, any, any more Kyrie Irving negative outlets because uh, it's been tough, but uh, let's, let's move on to a little bit more of a brighter, subject and and talk about some nba buzzer beaters that we've had uh 
just in this past week, we've had two buzzer beaters. One was De'Aaron Fox against the Magic, and the other was uh, Jeremy Grant, buzzer beater against the uh, Suns in their first uh, matchup out of two games against the Suns. Uh, let's start off with the Jeremy Grant buzzer beater. I mean, uh, I know you just looked at it. I watched it in real time. Um, every announcer media member was kind of going a little bit crazy. I know Suns fans were kind of going a little crazy. Uh, they thought, you know, too many steps were <laughs> maybe taken by Jeremy Grant on that final shot. But uh, I just want to get your your two cents on on what you thought of the buzzer beater and and do you think it should have gotten uh, called the other way for a travel? Uh, yeah, I mean, it was a good shot, but it, yeah, the, the NBA, like in their two minute report said that what should have been called a travel. So I'll agree with the two minute report. And I mean, in person or like not in person, but, uh, looking at the video, like it looked like a travel too, like without even hearing what the refs had to say about it. Um, but I, I mean, those calls are like anytime like a, a buzzer beater happens, like it's really tough to call like a travel, like especially when you're on the road um, or when you're in your home arena where like everybody's cheering and stuff. Um, it was a nice shot though. Um, I think the the deer and fox one is a little better, but. Um, oh, way better. Way better. Yeah, just. But to... it was definitely a nice shot. Yeah. I, I mean. In in real time though, Jeremy Grant, like it's tough to tell for refs, like especially in a final final second shot when you're looking at everything that's going on in the play to be able to look at like he was kind of chopping his feet, so it's kind of tough in real or like if you if you freeze time it and look back at it, you can definitely see it's a travel. But in real time, it's kind of tough to kind of judge that a little bit. Um, uh, overall though, it was a great shot by Jeremy Grant and a good win for, um, a Portland team who, uh, is doing pretty well, uh, to start off at six and three. Uh, but by far, I mean, the, the shot of the week was De'Aaron Fox's buzzer beater shot where, uh, you know, just going through the play real quick, you know, I think, uh, Sacramento was up by two points with around 13 seconds left in the game. They had the ball. Uh, they inbounded it, ended up turning it over on an errant pass where I believe Franz Wagner ended up getting a game-tying uh, layup uh, right off that turnover. So tie ball game, I think there was five seconds left on the clock, quick inbounds pass. Um, De'Aaron Fox was kind of taking it up a little bit too casually. Uh, I think he already kind of knew what he was going to do <laughs> at that point. Uh, took about you know, two or three steps inside of the half court line and just launched that three and uh, it went down. It was, it's one of the more craziest uh, game um, ends of games that I've, I've seen in a while. Um, especially out of deer and Fox, who I know you're, you're happy to see that happen when you have them on uh, your fantasy basketball team. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, that was a great shot by him, uh, especially, you know, Darren Fox isn't really like known for his, three-point shooting either so it was I mean he's been playing playing great to start the year here so um the Kings on the other hand as a whole aren't the best so far that I think that was was that their second win or their third win third win third win of the season so they're three and five yep uh but I mean every win win counts so it was nice that's a nice way to get a win too maybe give them some momentum going into the 
upcoming week here. Yeah, especially when I didn't, I didn't even know if Jaron Fox was going to play this game because uh, wasn't it like the game before that he uh, kind of went down late in the game and had to exit and they were kind of yeah, questioning. I think he, he missed collided, a game. Collided knees with somebody or something like that. Right. So uh, they're kind of lucky to get him back um, after just missing one game where it didn't look that great with uh, Davion Mitchell starting at point guard. I think he had a, a tough, rough game. Um, but uh, great two buzzer beaters on on for those two. Uh, great week in the NBA. Uh, right now, we're going to get into our power rankings, kind of uh, just go through a couple of them, some of them that we're kind of surprised that they're up there, some that we think will probably jump up a little bit as the season kind of rolls along. But uh, if you want to check out my article that I wrote on the power rankings, kind of gives a little bit better description on uh, some of the teams and where I have them placed. Uh, you can find that on our Twitter page, our Instagram page. Uh, and then very soon we'll have a, a website where uh, you can find all of these things on uh, in the future. I'll let you guys know when that happens. But uh, Matt, what is one of the teams that you're kind of maybe not surprised, but I, I'd, I'd say surprised that they're at this position in the power rankings at this point? Um. You know, I'd, I mean, I understand it, but I'd say probably uh, the Jazz at 14 um, seems like a little high, but obviously I know they've done well so far. They've won games, so also not that surprising since they've been winning, but I'd be very surprised to see them up that high at the end of the year. Um, I'd say that's probably one, and then one towards the bottom that I'm probably – more surprised about would be uh, the Sixers at 20. I think they've, they haven't played great, but I also think they've had some tough games and they've had guys out too. So I'd probably would think they'd be a little bit higher just because I still think they're a good team and they've had a couple good wins too. So, but it's early in the year. I think things will change a lot as the year progresses. Right. Yeah, I'll just go through the power rankings real quick, just one through thirty. Uh, top ten, no question. Milwaukee Bucks at at number one, being nine and zero, especially without Middleton and and Connaughton. That's a, that's huge for them to start out this way. Best record in franchise history as well. Uh, Cleveland at number two, Boston at three, Phoenix at four, Portland at five, Memphis at six. Uh, rounding out the top ten, you got Atlanta at seven, Dallas at eight. New Orleans Pelicans at 9, and Denver Nuggets at 10. Your middle tier of the NBA on the power rankings is the Clippers, Raptors at 12, Chicago Bulls at 13, 14, you got the Jazz, Timberwolves smack dad in the middle at 15, Golden State kind of surprising at 16, but, you know, a a tough start at 3 and 7. Definitely can see them jumping up a little bit uh, moving forward, if they if they start winning some games and get it figured out, uh, eighteen you got the Knicks, Miami Heat at nineteen, Philadelphia rounding out that middle tier at twenty. Your bottom ten teams, twenty one you got Brooklyn Nets, Washington Wizards at twenty two, uh, twenty three you got the Thunder, twenty four Pacers, Lakers bottom five team at twenty five. Sacramento Kings just talked about Darren Fox, his impressive buzzer beater. They are at 26 at three and five. 
Uh, another a little, maybe not surprising, but a team that you could see jumping up a little bit as LaMelo Ball comes back, Charlotte Hornets at 27, uh, uh, Detroit Pistons at 28, uh, the rookie first-round pick, Paolo Banchero, and the Orlando Magic at 29, and uh, Houston Rockets 1-9, and nine at rounding out the power rankings at 30. So, I mean, just uh, a, a few teams that I can see kind of jumping up. Um, definitely Miami at 19, Philly right behind them, and Brooklyn behind them. All of those teams are 4-6. and six. Um, I did these power rankings a, a couple days ago. Uh, all three of these teams have gotten at least one more win, so um, I can definitely see these teams kind of jumping up a little bit more, especially when, you know, Teams like the Jazz, Spurs, um, those teams are in front of them. I can see those teams dropping um, going forward. But um, all in all, I think it's a pretty solid power rankings. I mean, granted, I did do it. So, I, of course, I'm going to probably think it's good. Yeah, I think it's pretty solid for the most part. I can definitely see the Hornets jumping up when Lamelo comes back. Um, and it is kind of impressive a little bit that like the Jazz are seven and three because like if you're a, a truly bad team like the Rockets are like you're just not going to win at all. So I think it goes to show that they're not terrible, but they're probably not going to stay at that level. Right, and I mean even going into last year, like I I don't think I've switched the bottom three much if at all between <laughs> Houston, Orlando, right. and Detroit. You know what? One thing that, like, I'm a little bit surprised that the Pistons are as bad as they are still. Like, I know they're still young, but, like, I thought, I feel like Cade's been a little bit underwhelming to start the year. Um, I don't know what you think about them, but I thought, I was expecting them to take a little bit of a jump, maybe to, like, 25 to 20 range. Yeah, I mean, I think it's one of those cases where they, they still have a really young team. And um, they're still trying to figure it out. They got what they they had three rookies last year get minutes. Um, yeah, they got what two two more rookies this year, first round picks. Um, so they're they're trying to get all these rookies to, or young young players to kind of gel together. And I think uh, you're gonna see Cade, you know, kind of like he did last year hopefully a little bit earlier than just later in the season, but kind of be that Tyrese Halliburton-like player and kind of, you know, bring these guys together and and be one of those top leaders in assists this year, um, like Halliburton. And then um, hopefully, you know, he can get his shot going. I think think if they just run a lot of pick and roll with uh, the the big guys that they got and and, um, and Duran, who might be going to the G league now once they get uh, Marvin Bagley back. And then Isaiah Stewart is a good pick and roll guy. Uh, good athletic defender as well. Maybe not the tallest defender, but um, a great hustle player. Um, and then, you know, Bogdanovich has actually been playing really well. You know, he's been, I think he's averaging over 20 points a game and um, shooting lights out from deep. I think he's shooting close to 40, percent from three something like that that probably won't stay there all year obviously but uh it's good to see bogdanovich kind of get uh an extension on his deal uh to kind of stay in detroit 
or maybe, you know, maybe be a trade piece kind of like Jeremy Grant was. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Bogdanovich honestly almost looked like their best player so far this year. Um, obviously, still a lot of time, though. I, th- I think Cade will pick it up, too. And he hasn't been, like, terrible or anything. He just, like, I think maybe I put too high of expectations on him just because he did show some great things his rookie year. But I think it'll come as the season progresses. Right. So, yeah, if uh, you guys haven't, uh, well, I know you guys haven't, but uh, make sure you guys check out our power rankings on our Twitter and Instagram page. And I uh, hopefully will have the website uh, up and running uh, hopefully by Wednesday, which will be our uh, next podcast that we'll have coming out. Uh, We'll be dealing with uh, early NBA awards uh, predictions from, me and Matt, we might have another guest join us as well to kind of go through predictions. So um, stay tuned for that. Um, like always, guys, make sure to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook at Shot to Side. Send us uh, any talking points or things you'd like us to, to discuss at our Gmail account at Shot to Side at gmail.com. But until next time, guys, peace. Peace. Mm-hmm.